0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Ezra here. Hope everybody's having a lovely Friday evening. So today I have a very special guest, Joshua, from The New Progressive Voice. He was one of the very first... How you doing, Joshua? Hey. So he was one of the very first people to give me a shot as far as like coming on my show very early on, probably under a 1,000 subs. So, Joshua, thank you very much for that. Um, One of the things that Uh I wanted to talk to you about and uh, before we get into this, you can let people know where they can find you and everything like that. But was just the craziness that we've come, you know, we've come so far from election. It was a, it was a given for Donald Trump. And now it seems like he's on shaky grounds. Go ahead and let people know uh, where they can find you on Twitter and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, so um, my YouTube channel is New Progressive Voice. And otherwise, you can just contact me. Uh, On Twitter, that's Joshua at the NPV, at Joshua4NPV1, or just Joshua4NPV1. Awesome. That's pretty much it.
0: Awesome. Yes, definitely go hit up his channel. He really digs deep into the nuance, you know. That's something that's really missing and I think people crave. So, you know, my audience, if you haven't subscribed to his channel already, please go do so. All right, Joshua. So I really wanted to get into this election topic, Um, you know, the developments – Just give us your initial thoughts from, you know, obviously pre-George Floyd and just kind of right after the primary season, uh, it seemed like Biden was in the ropes. It seemed like Trump really had him in the ropes. And anybody, any voice on the left that was trying to bring awareness to the fact that, hey, on our side, on the Democratic side, on the progressive side, whatever you want to call it, we need to be weary that right now the country seems to be wanting something you know call it return to normalcy what have you and and you were one of the first to kind of point that out and i think you got a lot of uh, flack for that um uh, and you're, you're not giving enough given enough credit but go ahead and run us through why you felt like that just after the primary and how and how things developed
1: yeah i think that uh often what you find when you're you're talking about politics is when you have one part of uh the political spectrum that is dominating uh in this case donald trump and people can argue over if he's more center right or if he's far right and some people may even argue whether or not he's uh on a corporate or kleptocracy so that's sort of the left socialist uh when it comes to corporations um but when you're talking about a group of people who's dominating, uh, and they tend to be the mi- minority, uh, and they're putting forth a lot of sort of uh, just fish-in-the-pan um, right. politics, uh, oftentimes people that are more established in their general life, they they uh, find that frightening or they find that un- unsettling. Uh, whether you agree with this politics or not um, – I think that we did give Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren a chance, people like that, uh, Tulsa Gabbard, Yang, and you, you saw the populace wanting to get back to a sense of um, people that are coming together to find solutions rather than uh, being led by sort of this um, uh, almost ideal law. Ideologue um, way of running things. Some people might call it radicalism. Not that that's necessarily a good or bad thing, because right. radicalism is what founded this nation. Um, but it's just a question of where are we in that political landscape in the context.
0: You bring up a good point, and I think during the primary season, pr- season, progressives weren't very keen to this idea. Right? They kind of were all all in, and and it's great because you know you want to win, so you want to embrace. Your candidate, you want to embrace that movement that seemed to be kind of developing. There was a fervor there. And people saw that with Donald Trump in 2016. The the populist kind of shoot from the hip politician was going to go into into Washington where things were so stuck, things were so bureaucratic and mundane. And that really worked for him. You know, he was really able to galvanize a, 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 a big enough group on his end that wanted that. To succeed and overcome the challenges on his side but i think where progressives went wrong you know is that they undermined their opponent because the democrats got smart after 2016 and there was not enough focus from the progressive wing as to bringing that to attention to people you know the organizers the the people in those campaigns the tulsi gabbard campaign the andrew yang campaign not enough and this is the problem with progressives is they don't study their enemy. I don't want to say enemy, opponents, right? They didn't see that. We kind of just generalized, right? Didn't we? We just said, "Oh, they're they're chaotic, you know, they they're putting their placing their bets on Budgech, now klobuchar now Biden." No, it was always Biden. It was always Biden. And I think we failed there. I think we really did we did ourselves a dis- a disservice because we just we're not good at that and we're developing that. And people need to understand that, yes, we're the, the the country is leaning towards that side, but cultivate it. Understand it and take some of the strategies that work universally, whether you're on the right, whether you're on the Democratic Party, the establishment. There are universalities there that the electorate, th- th- you can always count on with the electorate. And so follow those. What, what, what would you say to that, you know, is that, that we just didn't, we, we undermined the opponent.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, there was no cohesion. Uh, it was not well thought out. Uh, we kind of put all our eggs in one basket early on thinking, oh, let Bernie run, Bernie run. And uh, when he did, then along came Yang and Tulsi and Williamson and so forth and so on. And and then we had all these eggs in a basket. And, um, you know, the main uh, voices of the progressive community, uh, T.Y.T., um, Uh, Cedar, so forth and so on, all got behind Bernie, and anything contrary to that was considered not progressive enough. And, uh, yeah, it created a lot of fracturing early on and just poisoned the water, really, I think, early on. But I think this is also attributed to the fact that the neo-progressive movement, the new progressive movement, I think, that started really under Bernie uh, is relatively new if you you compare that to the uh, neoliberal movement neocon paradigm, which has been around for 50, 60 years. Bernie only came around for about five years. Right, and so I think a lot of people in that movement were not familiar with the way the political process works, and even though they were in tune with the understanding that the political system is corrupt, they didn't really know quite what to do with it. They didn't know how to strategize, how to use the levers that were existing and that were in place. And so I think that went against us Coupling that with uh, the youth don't tend to vote, Mm -hmm. it just made for a poor showing. And then, of course, Biden walked away along with his endorsements.
0: Right. And I think that's a really great analysis coming out of that. You know, we really saw the weakness of Biden, but it almost seemed like it was, you know, we shouldn't undermine the fact that there was electoral rigging and everything like that. Suppression of the youth, suppression of, you know, people of color's votes within the Democratic Party, within that establishment. We are not at all trying to, you know, let our audience say that that doesn't matter, it's more we're focusing on the strategic because oftentimes we don't. And you know, I think that they don't understand, this is youthful, this is a youthful movement, this is something that's developing, cultivating, there's arguments, and it's okay, that's going to happen. You said the neoliberal experiment, it took decades to cultivate, and they un- and, and that's why they learned their lessons in 2016 so rapidly, and you're seeing them kind of flourish right now in this moment. Um, right. So yeah, and I think that... The, sometimes progressives are accelerationist in their ideologies. And and so that, that kind of kneecaps them sometimes, but, uh, you know, go ahead. You can address that.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say Israel that, um, and I can appreciate why they feel that way because, you know, we've been in this malaise for so long and the system's been corrupt for so long. And when you look at opinion polls, by and large, the American people line up with things like, you know, UBI or single payer for everyone or getting money out of politics. By and large, you know, those polls – favor progressives uh you know um uh, you know in results but unfortunately that hasn't really uh uh, you know trickled down if you will uh, lack of a better term uh into the body politic of the progressive movement because we still don't really get a sense of how to get how to form a coalition how to move ahead how to strategize how to use the levers that are not broken in our favor so
0: absolutely and as you know as we came out of this, you know, going into the COVID situation, this year has been so volatile, so crazy. But it's important for us to kind of dissect this. I think we saw that, you know, they they obviously wanted to hide Biden. You know, where's Biden was a was a big hit for Trump. You know, going into kind of this general election pre-general election moment in 2020, but COVID hit right. And and can you talk to us a little bit about what you thought? The impact was of COVID on both sides. For Donald Trump, it seems to have been a a moment in time where he could have capitalized on it. But I think looking back at it now that we're in June, in my personal opinion, he it, it hurt him uh, strategically, electorally. Go ahead and address that for both candidates.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with you uh, in regards to Donald Trump. I think uh, it isn't necessarily that he put out a counter narrative about the COVID-19 uh, and the way to respond to that, you know, opening up jobs, so forth and so on. And when we open up and how seriously should we take this? I think that was the the, the uh, issue that Amer- Americans took with Donald Trump. Um, I think that he miscalculated um, the degree at which Americans need a reassurance uh, that, yes, we have, uh, you know, something – that is uh, you know, quite um, foreboding that we need to deal with. Uh, so he sort of messaged you know optimism early on. and I understand why he did it. Um, although I th- I think it sort of mismatched the way uh, the majority of Americans understood uh, just from you know the World Health Organization, what China was dealing with, so far and so forth, uh, and so on, early on, um, he sort of mismatched that. Because there's an argument to be had about when do we open up and things like that, that we can have reasonable arguments. Um, so I don't think he necessarily it was he failed in that regard as much as the right. way he uh, empathized with the situation correctly. I totally that, that's kind of what I see you. there. And
0: I think something, too, is that Trump seemed to be always trying to find an enemy in these situations. Right. He all, and I mm-hmm. think that's kind of where he miscalculated. And I am no like, you know opposer of trump i oftentimes side with trump on things as you know i'm more socially conservative and looking at it just from that strategic as i think he lost a lot of that american constituency in those moments where he tried to find an enemy pin down someone he can give to the to the to the base you know give that raw meat to the base you saw that with the 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 uh, who which hey to a large extent the who did have its moments where a lot of Mm -hmm. people were upset but then also right. like failing to to live up to that uh, stimulus where he had such a great opportunity there to exactly. really stick it to his opponent. In this case, Joe Biden coming in as such a weak candidate. Can you talk to us about what, what the Democrats did right as we transitioned out of COVID and, you know, capitalized on him doing that and, and went into this kind of protest fervor we're in now.
1: Yeah. This goes back to uh, just what you were hinting at uh, in times of trouble, uh, people need a leader that knows how to unite people and uh, empathize with their concerns uh, and bring people together and that's not something that unfortunately Donald Trump epitomized you know definitely you know he has a a very strong position in in terms of you know like going after media and pointing out some of the inconsistencies with who and so forth and so on Um, but this is not the right time for that kind of fight I think and Whereas the Democrats, they cited with the scientists, they cited it with reason. Uh, when you go in through a period of uncertainty uh, and disruption, the last thing you need is further disruption and further division. You need a calm, reassuring hand of certainty, consensus. That's what you need. And I think that's where the Democrats um, made the right move. Uh, not necessarily, you know, whether I agree with that right. move or not, It, it's the more um, – you know, politically correct thing right. to do. Strategically, the moment, yeah. it's the right thing to do because it, it matches with uh, sort of the um, American politic body uh, need at that time. You know, which is bringing people together, a reassurance of like a consistent set of uh, guidelines of what we what we should or should not do. And this isn't you know? to
0: confuse. Uh, this isn't to confuse the idea that Americans support this. You had uh, talked about early on how most Americans support ideas. That the progressive left advocates for, and so they have to understand that there's a disconnect between what polling shows they support and would like versus their feelings and sentiments of the moment, and how these exactly. parties have both cultivated strategically and politically, um, you know, strategies and and uh, uh, you know really have have honed in their skills in picking up on that versus just going with what polls and what people would like. Can you address that like how there's there's there there're two different things.
1: Yeah, I mean I I think you said it about as good as I could say it. Um it's really about context and timing. Uh and again just knowing and actually using uh, the levers that are existing that that are not corrupted and i know it's hard to believe that uh, there are still still some levers that are you know it's not completely gone complete shot but it's somewhat there you know even donald trump is able to win despite the fact you know there might have been some you know hand uh, handiwork behind the scenes against him um and you have progressive candidates going on to win so there's some. You have to put some trust in the system itself and not just go by um, this idea, you know, Americans want it, uh, but they don't really have an understanding of how to get there. You have to have a leader that shows them this is the way we do it. You know, it's an actual process, and I think that's often what progressives forget, that it's not just about, like you said, what Americans say they want – Ideally, it's also what's practically going to work in their lives at a, at a particular moment in time. So, and that changes, you know, shifting waters is sort of like a, a boat on the sea, and you have to know how to navigate it. We all have the same destination, but not necessarily we're there yet. We might be in the middle of the sea, and there might be storms ahead. So, we have Absolutely. to sort of shift as we go.
0: And I think those both parties, you know, the duopoly has done a great job of being able to capitalize on those things they, they they you know they can read those tea leaves very well um but i think the donald trump and the republican party have failed to do that can you address a little bit about your speculation as to you know go, coming out of the covid situation and going into the protest because i think what happened there because there was a, a big sentiment for him early on where did that go <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, again, it's going back to uh, – he. W- he's really good at understanding there is a problem in America. The system's corrupted. Media is uh, – mainstream media is bought out and sold. He's really good in that department. Uh, and he's also good at harmonizing that with the message of stability and law and order. Unfortunately, I think he miscalculated um, – to what degree you bring forth law and order, and in what context? You know, at the point that he had suggested utilizing the photo op and bringing the military in, things of that nature. I think that he went past the understanding of what Americans were looking for.
0: That stability. Uh, now, if that you look like- at the.
1: Right. The stability – you know, stability is one thing, and law and order is one thing, but, uh, you know, if you put too much – execute that too heavily, then you start moving into the territory authoritarianism. And I think, by and large, you know, the, especially – particularly uh, many republicans – are not very akin to that that's not they're not they don't have an affinity for that that brand right of republicanism so um i think he lost a lot of that uh, and that's where you saw his poll numbers go down it, among republicans from like 96 now it's down to like eight percent or something yeah. um and yeah. Independents as well you know many independents uh, cherish our liberties correct uh, so he sort, of, he sort of eroded into or gave at least the perception that he was eroding into the first amendment um so I think that's where he miscalculated. Now, the law and order and all that, because if you look at the defund the police, uh, that's not doesn't uh, um, do very well in polling. It's like 30 percent and 60-something percent are opposed to that uh, slogan. Uh, and even when you try to explain it, majority of Americans are still against it. Well, that's so where the left, he really had an opportunity. That's where
0: the left's bad marketing and not understanding – like you said, the waters, the you know, the tea leaves there, like with the American people's sentiment feeling. Do you think that that contributed to Trump's miscalculation where he read the polling that showed that Americans did support bringing in military to kind of squash the rioting? But like we said, with the Democrats, I think this similarly applies to Trump now, where he might he might have gone a bit too far, how you explained. So it seems both parties yeah uh, fell for that.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, and this is maybe the um, ground at which, you know, the debates will be had in the ne- next couple of months. And, um, you know, it'll be defund the police versus the military and, you know, just the law and order conversation uh, mixed in with the racial conversation, you know. And um, so that's going to be an interesting landscape. So I, I think you're right Absolutely. Uh, that – you know the the Democrats. You know, unfortunately, the the more left parts of the uh, you know, some people may call radical parts of the Democratic Party are very much about uh, you know demand politics or. Um, political um, you know activism to the degree at which you know they sort of have this uh, image of the 60s in their mind you know because that's the way that they have thus far been able to captivate the American imagination and what they don't realize is we're living in a very uncertain time now in the 2020s you know the COVID and the economy and is it going to collapse at some point and so that amount of Unrest, You know, and then now you're shocking the system even further with defund the police. You know, again, it just goes back into what we initially uh, you know, opened up with, this understanding of when do we bring forth shocking the system or when do Americans crave stability and certainty and, uh, you know, a stable, steady hand. So that really is ultimately what I think is going to be the the big conversation coming up in uh, this general election debate.
0: Absolutely. A vastly different picture than what we had in 2016, folks, where in 2016, that Trumpian shoot-from-the-hip style was very much wanted. There was a demand for that. Completely different picture now. So do not underestimate the chance of a Biden-Democrat Dem- uh, win. Obviously, things can change. And, you know, this isn't us saying that it's good or bad either way. You know, we both have our different uh, personal beliefs on that. But the left does this so much. And I think it's something that needs to be pointed out is that they I keep seeing this where they're constantly referring to 2016. Even the Trump administration, the Republicans are falling for this and they're going to become the Clintons of 2020 if they continue down this. Exactly. Path. These You're are right. two different worlds, 2016 and 2020. Go ahead and kind yeah, of it's, a, it's- this a little bit.
1: It's like a pendulum, basically, because uh, you know when you had um, several years of the Clintons in in the 1990s, and then you had Bushes, and then you had Obama era. You know, just uh, just a constant, steady sort of malaise set in where people just accept it that's just the norm and things are just the way it is and it took Bernie to sort of jolt everyone and then Trump came along and jolted us uh, you know even further and woke us up and say hey look at look at all this mess you know uh, underneath true. the surface it's sort of like somebody sweeping the, the dirt under the rug right and it was exposed uh, but that was after many many years of um, just I, I I don't know how to explain it other than just uh, I'd say austerity like water just setting. Yeah, it was austerity but also like water setting mm-hmm. symbolically I would say anal- uh, and the analogy might be water that's setting and it's just putrefying, you know, and the mosquitoes are coming and stuff and people saw that and they're like, Wow, you know, uh, we didn't realize how d- dirty the waters were, you know. Right. But now uh, you know, Trump exposed all that and we've just been on hyperdrive, um, You know, along comes COVID and the economy. Uh, Yeah, I think people are craving some degree, not necessarily going back to the corruption per se, but just getting back to um, just uh, the grounds that are not so shaky, right? Some stability.
0: Absolutely. And I think both left and right figures, commentators, people who really are committed to either side of each movement need to acknowledge that both of the established parties the duopolies have failed in calculating this moment uh hillary did it in 2016 and i think trump and his folks are going down that path we'll see yeah. what happens obviously this is going to continue to shift it's not going to stay the same as 2020 has taught us anything just you know being halfway through it is that it's going to be one of those years volatile years you brought up a good point about being prodded from both ends right in 2016 from the bernie movement to the trump movement and 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 having that kind of create that fervor. But now in 2016, it seems to be going backwards. You know, it seems to be people are now saying, okay, we've had enough of this prodding. And on top of that, we're unemployed. We have COVID situation happening. And perhaps that dissipated that, uh, you know, energized Trump and, and progressive uh, crowd to where people, I have seen even personalities on new media that are starting to uh, buckle a little bit as far as like, you know, embracing perhaps that normalcy. And, you know, the the calls against them haven't been as intense as they might have been perhaps in February coming out of that primary season. A lot of interesting things happening. Obviously, we can talk about this (laughs) endlessly. Joshua, I think you've done a lot of great work here. Uh, One more time, people can find uh, Joshua's channel down in the description below Please consider subscribing to his channel. He really goes into depth with topics, issues, has a lot of great guests on. Uh, Joshua, go ahead and uh, if you want to give a shout-out to some other things, let people know.
1: Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, um, it's, again, it's just New Progressive Voice on YouTube and um, on always get it mixed up so i'm sorry about that it's It's, uh i think it's just joshua4npv1 on twitter if you want to follow me there
0: and that'll be on the screen here so folks go check that out if you're interested to find out more about where the election cycle has gone kind of get some perspectives i've covered this endlessly there's a playlist that will show up here on your screen go check that out very good content consider subscribing to my channel and i'll see everybody in the next video thank you josh again peace (music)